Thanks, Joanne. Well, you're wondering, hold it, where is Todd? So am I. You who are possibly visiting with us this morning, we're really glad you could be with us today. My name is not Todd Sapisa. I'm not the, te- the, the, the teaching pastor here. Uh, Todd is home, very ill. Um, tip, typical guy thing. He sent me a text at 7.45 this morning and said, can you make sure the building get, get, gets open? He and I do that on Sunday mornings. We meet here and open up the building and get things going. He said, I've been up with a stu- stu- stomach flu all night, and I'm, I'll try to get there in time to preach. <laughs> Typical guy thing, right? Five minutes later, Terry calls me on the phone. <laughs> says, that boy is not getting out of bed. <laughs> you guys are going to do something else. He isn't going to be there. And so, um, so Todd is home ill, uh, and we have some, some other folks in our church that this bug has hit in the last, 20, last 24 hours also. Um, and um, I know it's not a fun fun thing, but we might be praying for Todd this morning and, and for Terry as she takes care of him. One, one thing I'd like to do, um, if I could take ju- just a minute, perhaps you saw this in the bu- bulletin, um, but we just wanted you to know that uh, the a- affirmation vote last week was overwhelming uh, to affirm Carrie uh, Gil- Gilbert as an elder here to serve it. Melanie Park, and, and we, we appreciate your part in that pro, pro, process. It took quite a long time, but we, we appreciate you be, being involved in that and uh, would ask that you continue to pray for the elders and, and for more elders for our church. We, we uh, are asking God to lay it on the heart of some more men. Uh, we, we need the help, and so... Uh, we thank, thank you for your participation in this part of the process so far, but we'd ask you to continue to pray that God would lay that on the hearts of some men in the church uh, to join in, in that work. Um, this morning, uh, I'm trying to hope I not, don't forget everything, but just want to emphasize again what, Ro, Ro, what Ro, 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 Roger said. Uh, we have folks away this morning. We have a whole group group of men at the men, men's retreat and, and some folks that are out sick. But next sun, sun, Sunday, we, we know there will be a very large crowd here. And so I would like to ask you, if you're a regular uh, attender here, uh, if you would keep this in mind, what, Ro, Ro, what Roger said, when you come in ne- next week, if, uh, and if you have a fit, physical si- si- situation, you need to be in the back, that would be great. That, that's fine. We understand. But... If you would help us out by getting here uh, early and kind of coming toward the front, that, that would be a big help. We're going to fill everything up, and we'll have seats out and chairs and so, so forth. But we're going to have a great time next sun, Sunday. The choir is going to uh, sing uh, for a while, and Todd will have a short uh, sermon. Uh, the whole thing will be honoring to the Lord, and will uh, be evangelistic. And we have scripture that's going to be read throughout the whole thing. It's just going to be a wonderful time. And so I'd encourage you to invite folks to come with you. Well, what do you do whenever you find out a couple hours before church starts that uh, you're going to be up here? It's really interesting. I was thinking about this week. If we were to go back a couple of thousand years and were to think about this week 
on our calendar, we call today Palm Sunday. Uh, the, the day that Jesus Christ, that we call the triumphal in- entry into Jerusalem. And if you go to the New Te- Testament accounts, you can read about what took place there. And we all know the sto- story about that day, how he told his disi- the disciples to go to a certain place. And there they would, would find a, a foal of a don- donkey and that they would take these blank blankets and put it on the donkey and bring it to him. And he would ride it into the city. Si- into the city, we we all know that story, and that there would, and we 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 hear that there were, which is called Palm Sunday because people were throwing their cloaks down, and we assume there are some stories, and maybe in some of your versions of scripture that palm branches were thrown down for him to to, to walk on, for the donkey to walk on, as he came into the city. And that was a great event that day, and there were a lot of people who got really excited about that that day. But the scripture goes on to tell us about things that took place the next four or five days, or all all the way to to next week we will um, celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And um, if, if you read the gospel accounts... We find out that Jesus then spends the last week in the area of Jerusalem. He's been in Galilee. He comes into that area. Now, he's not in the city all the way up until the Passover meal, but he's in the area. And he continues to preach. He continues to teach in parables. He continues to do what he's been doing for over three years uh, he even goes into the tent, into the temple, and cleans it out one more time during this last week. He was very, very bit busy. But if, if we had time this morning to go look at the gospel accounts and read the, the stories that he was telling, read the sermons that he preached, the parables that, that he told, he was very intentional and very intense in the message that, that he preached. And as I was re- reading about those things and looked, looking at it, I thought, um, you know, from, from a human stand- standpoint, the men who had been with him for three years still didn't totally understand what was going on. He had begun to tell them prior to this week that he was going to die, but they didn't understand that that's what he was saying. And those who fought who followed him, probably many of those who cheered for him as he came off the hill into Jerusalem through the gate, probably many of those would be crying for his death five days later. And so there was a lot of misunderstanding during that week. But there was one person who knew exactly what he was doing, who knew exactly why he was there. And so I thought, well, if we had a sermon titled this morning that we were going to come up with three hours before it was time, I thought, you know, I, I, I was just praying and asking the Lord, I said, what will we do? And I said, well, if we were going to have a sermon, how, how about this title? Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Well, I'd like to answer that question. If you would, turn with me to First Peter. Where we won't be in the Gospels this morning, we'll go over to First Peter, chapter one. Let's take a few minutes to look at why 
Jesus would do what he did. Now we know that later on in the week, there will be a d- dinner in the e- evening that, uh, where they would ce- celebrate pa- Passover, he and the 12 men that had been with him for three years. And we have recorded for us in the book of John, in a couple of cha- chapters, we have in there, uh, two, two, two or three of the cha- chapters, we have what Jesus said. John records a lot of the important things that Jesus said that evening about himself and about them. And then also in the book of John is recorded Jesus' prayer that he prays on their behalf and on his own behalf. Uh, and, and so we, we have an idea of what's on his heart that's going to take place on, later on in the week. And then after that, of course, he's going to be cru- crucified and killed. Why would he go through that? Let's look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. If you'll read along with me, we're going to read down through verse 9. And, uh, you know, I was, Roger and I were talk, talk, talking this morning just for a minute, and I said, if we had been one of the churches that had received this letter from Peter, what would we have done? We would have sat down, and one of the, lead, the leaders in the church would have gotten gotten up in front of everybody in the home or wherever they were meeting, they would have read the letter, right? That's what, so maybe we could just read this letter and say amen and go home, right? <laughs> but I might have a couple of things to say. So, so let's... Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed In the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Father, as we uh, look at your word this morning... And we see why you would do such a thing as this. Why you would send your son to live among us. To become the satisfaction that you required in order for us to be called your children. To become the final sacrifice. Father, we're amazed. And Father, we're even more amazed whenever we realize the outcome of this, 
was that we might be saved from an eternity away from you, that we'd be saved to an eternity with you, to live with you, to be like you, to worship you. Father, we are humbled when we think of these things. And we thank you for the encouragement from your word we read this morning. In your son's name we pray. Amen. In verse 3, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I was talking in my class this morning about, about this, this thing of hope uh, that's m- m- mentioned in uh, 1 John cha- chapter 3, verse 3. As we look around us in the world t- today, and we were talk- t- talking about uh, the idea of, of being, not being of this world as Jesus Christ himself was not of this world. And we know he came in the flesh, and we know why he came, came in the flesh. We, he came in the flesh because we were in the flesh. And he lived among those who were alive at, at that time, yet without sin. But there was a reason for it, and it was because of you and me. The reason he did this was because unless this sacrifice was given that would once and for all pay for our sin, there was no hope for us. So when we read in 1 John and other places in the Scripture where it says he's not of this, this world and we are not of this world, this is one thing he told his disciples in the upper room that night a few days after his triumphal entry into to Jerusalem. One of the things he told them it was, you're not of the world because I'm not of the world. And then as he prayed for them, he said, Lord... They're not of this world as I am not of this world. Well, what does that, that mean and, and, and how does it manifest itself? Because we're not of this world, we do have hope. Those around us that are a part of this world who have not accepted the gift of God, the salvation that, that he offers, they have no hope. You say, no hope for what? No hope for anything eternal. That's why the majority of the world thinks that you live your life and you live it as good as you can and you get what you can, as Danny Mason used to say, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the lid and poison the rest. In other words, get what you can out of this life because this is what there is. That's what the hope is. God says no. No, there's more to it. This is why he came and did what he did is because to give us this, this hope. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope, a li- living hope, not just to, when this bo- body dies, we will go someplace. Our spirit will go someplace. We will dwell with God forever or we will dwell outside his presence forever. And he says in a light lake of fire, a place that's going to burn this. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's why Jesus did what he did. That's why he spent that last week being praised as he came into the city, going face to face with the Pharisees, teaching day and night and wearing himself out. That's why he had that dinner with his men that, that night. That's why he told them one more time, you're not of this world because I am not of, of this world. That's why he went to the cross. Verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven 
for you. Think of the, in the, the inher, in, inher, inheritances on this earth. Just think, think about it. Maybe you're old enough to have had a parents, your parents pass away. Maybe they had things that they left to you, and maybe those things had a val, value to them. Perhaps you're in a situation where a trust was left, or there were things that you were able to sell and you were able to invest that, that, that money, and you think about those inheritances. Guess what? You eventually run through the whole thing, right? Or you pass it on to your kids, and they pass it on to their kids, and what do you do with it? You spend it. But then one day, God destroys this earth, and what happens to that inheritance? It's, it's gone. But here's why Jesus did what he did. He's, it says that to, so we could obtain an inheritance which is imperishable. It cannot wear out. It cannot go away. It's undefiled. It will never fade away. What is that inheritance? It's salvation that leads to an eternal life with him. Do, do you believe that? Now look, if you're somebody here today who doesn't really believe that, this doesn't make a lot, lot of sense. Well, how, how could it make sense unless you listen and God speaks to your heart to understand? Because from a worldly standpoint, this doesn't make sense. We do the best we, we can do to make, make a living and raise our fa- families and gain some things and do things that are fun. But that's all that this life has to, to offer. No, it doesn't make sense. Why would it make sense at all to say that there's a God, an eternal God out there somewhere? How could there be, because of all the bad things I see in, in, in the world? Well, it, all the bad things are in the world because we sinned and we've come short of His glory. And so he's allowed this world to, to, to continue along. And he's allowed the enemy to be master of this world, but not forever. Because he says he's going to come back and he's going to destroy this and he's going to come back for those that are his own. And he told the Thess- Thessalonians, remember, they were concerned because people were dying and they didn't know what was going to happen. He said, don't worry about them. We're actually going to read that scripture next week. Can you believe that? On Resurrection Sunday, we're going to read First Thessalonians chapter 4. This is good news. But if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense because in our minds, how could, there, how could this be? I don't understand this. Well, here's what God did. He said he wanted to make an inheritance for us, imperishable and undefiled, that will not fade away reserved in heaven for you. That's the good news. That's why Jesus did what he did, to, to, to create an inheritance that's imperishable, that will not fade away, but it's reserved where he is. It's not reserved for us where we are now. It's, we have his spirit to live within us and to guide us and to give us peace, and through his spirit we, we have hope, but the inheritance is where he is. And that's where we're going. That's why Jesus did all those things the last week of his life on this earth before his resurrection was filled with with preaching and teaching and crying over Jerusalem and crying over the Jews and being whipped and being beaten and killed. All those things took place before the resurrection because God said, your inheritance is going to be where I am. So you have to be forgiven of your sin, you can't do it by yourself. Reserved in heaven for you, verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God through faith 
through faith. Can you believe Ephesians chapter 2 says that God allowed us because he was so merciful that he displayed his great love to us that he, and was gracious enough to allow us to be saved from eternal destruction to eternal life by what? Faith. By faith. How sim- simple is that? But if you want to be in control, you're not going to have faith in Him. It's when we come to the point we realize there's nothing. Apart from Him, we can do no- nothing. We have nothing. We can't create eternal life for ourselves. But He allow- allows us by-, by faith. Look here, verse 5. You are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Mark, I believe, I've trusted the Lord, but I just can't see Him. No, we can't see Him right now, but by faith, we know that He is. By faith, we know what He's done in, in, in our hearts. And our salvation is going to be revealed at the end time. Whenever that last trump, trumpet sounds, whenever He call, calls us home, I um, have used this in sharing the gospel with people for many years. But did you understand that the moment you breathe your last, you become a believer? You do. If you're not a believer right now, when you breathe your last, you instantly become a believer. Because guess what? The truth that you would not believe, the truth that you would not, not accept, becomes true. All, all of a sudden, we have been saved and we are being saved and our salvation will be revealed at the end. But if you do not know him, if, you have not, if your sins have not been for forgiven, if you have not repented of your sin and fallen on your face and asked God to save you of your, your, your sin, you will become a believer. I promise you. But it will be too, too late. For you who have put your faith in Jesus Christ... Were he to come get us today or were you to die today, you, you will know. You'll know. For the rest of us, our salvation will be revealed in the last time. Verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise. Let me back, 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 let me back up and reread this a little bit different way for you. In this you greatly rejoice, verse 6, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Just have faith. He's done what he came to do. That's what he was doing the last week before his death and re- resurrection, he's already done what he came to, 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 to do. So hold on. Just have faith. He's to- totally faith- faithful. He has redeemed us. He's redeemed us to himself, and someday we will be with him. And even though we are te- te- tested, even though our faith is tested, is te- Tested, maybe even by fire, he says, hold on, you may be found to result in praise and glory and honor 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is coming. He did what he did for us, and he is coming. Verse 8. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Though you haven't seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Because of what he did for us, we can live lives of joy. And you say, but Mark, my life is hard. I have trouble keep, keeping a job. My family is sick most of the time. Things aren't going well. Other folk, folk, folks are sick. We don't have much money. There are all these things that can cause us to be unhappy. Unha- but look what Jesus did. Look what, look what he did. He died for us. And he rose from, from, from the dead that we might live with him forever. And even if things are great in your life on this earth, it's not anything to be compared with being with, with, with him. So, but Mark, I, I can't see him. I haven't seen him. That, that, that's what P, Peter said. Hold on. You can't see him right now. You haven't seen him yet. I haven't seen him yet. And to be quite honest with you, apart from what he says in his word, And apart from just having faith that what he said is true, it's hard to believe that he's going to do these things for for us if we look at our circumstances. There was an old song written back in the 70s said, Keep looking down. You're seated in the heavenlies. That that was one of the lines to to the song. Well, that's that's scripture. Scripture says that he seated us with him in the he- heavenlies. Now, in our, that, that's in our hearts. That's in our heart's mind. That's because he's done what he's done in our hearts. He's redeemed deemed us. We're seated with him. But right now, in my mind's eye, I can't see him. But in my heart, I know he's there. I believe what, what, what he's done. And look what the result is. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. That's the good news. That's why he did what he did. That's why he came. And so this week, if you would take time to look through the, through the, the, the Gospels and read about all the things that he did that week. He did a lot of things. He said a lot of things. He was still presenting the Gospel to those who would not, not believe during that, that week. And he was assuring those who had believed that what they, they believed was the truth. Go back. I, I would encourage you to go read. And then when we meet next, next Sunday and we celebrate his re- resurrection, which is the reason for our hope, right? The fact that he rose from the dead is the reason for our hope. And we're going to celebrate that next Sunday with the word and with music. It'll be a great time, but I would encourage you to go look. Look and see what he did that, that, that last week and try to imagine. Why was he doing all that? What was it? And see what your conclusion comes, comes to. Why was he do, what was his mo- motivation? And when he was completely worn out, sitting on the hill overlooking... Jerusalem, crying, crying because they had rejected him. Just think, think about, about, about yourself. 
and think, look what he did for me. I want to finish up our time this morning. I don't know if you'll recognize this name or not. Um, Dr. S.M. Lockridge was a pastor out in San, San Diego, California. And uh, in 1976, he was in Detroit pre- preaching at a church. And included in his ser- sermon was what I'm going to read to you. I wanted to memorize this and someday recite this to the whole church. And I've started working on this a jillion times and have not been able to get it learned. And as I was thinking about what we might do this morning and thinking about this great salvation we have and the description of what Jesus has done for us, back in verse 3 it says we have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This little thing popped into my head, and I thought, you know, what better way to end this thing? If we're if we're wondering why Jesus did what He did and who He is, He's our Savior, He's our King. I pulled this out of the drawer, and I said, today's the day. I can't recite it for for you, so you can't pat me on the back and say, Mark, you were so good. But I can read what Doctor Lockridge had to say about Jesus. It's just entitled, "That's My King." My king was born king. The Bible says he's a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's an ethnic king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. My king is the only one of whom there are no means of measure that can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of the shore of his supplies. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. Well, He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's the center savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. That's my king. He's a miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. Well, he's the only... He's the only one able to supply all our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He's the almighty God who guides and keeps all his people. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives the sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. 
He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Now that's my king. Do you know him? Well, my king is a king of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislatures. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Yes, that's my king. His office is manifold. His promise is true. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. That's my king. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible and he's irresistible. I'm come to tell you this, that the heavens of heavens can't contain him, let alone some man explain him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimony straight to agree about him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Why don't you stand with me as I finish this last. He always has been. And he always will be. I'm talking about the fact that he had no predecessor and he'll have no successor. There's nothing before him and there'll be nothing after him. You can't impeach him and he's not going to resign. That's my king. That's my king. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Well, all the power belongs to my king. We're around here talking about black power and white power and green power. But in the end, all that matters is God's power. Thine is the power. Yes, and the glory. We try to get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves, but the glory is all His. Yes, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that? Forever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all the evers, then amen. Father, we are so blessed that you have called us to be your children. Father, as we meditate on our King Jesus and we think about the things that Dr. Lockridge declared about him, we agree. Father, we understand that he is our King, that he is our Savior, that apart from the salvation that you have given us through our Savior Jesus, we're dead. We're eternally dead. But Lord, we glorify your name this morning and bless you because of the great salvation that we have through him. And Father, though it's hard to understand, we thank you for the love that you have shown to us through his sacrifice. And Lord, we are so thankful that he rose from that grave and that he lives at your right hand and that we are seated with him, that he's our intercessor, he's our king. 
that he loved us before we could ever love him. Lord, we bless your name and thank you. It's in his name we pray. Amen.